Good evening, Patriots. Today's the end of Sunday, February 11th in the year 2024. This is our second show in the new series we brought back, which is Expedition Cafe. Really featuring, just trying to feature the, the cultural aspect of the new awakening in America. Last week we had Brian Kahanek on talking about just creative arts in the, in the Patriot movement and in the awakening of America and his expression in his new song, which was uh, The Peacemakers, which was an awesome discussion. Great piece of music, too, if you haven't checked that out. Really amazing composition. Tonight, we're going to have Matt and Joy Thayer of Sparrow Pictures. Now, they have been truly, you probably don't know this I mean, because they aren't way out in front, but if you haven't been paying attention to some of the films that have come out on the Patriot side, they have been really way up front and telling a lot of the new stories of the Patriot movement. And uh, they did a whole, their first bigger, big piece was on President Trump. They did a piece on the Great Awakening tours. They have done um, the Selection Code piece, which was debuted a year, almost two years ago now, I guess, uh, a year and a half ago at in Springfield at Mike Lindell's event. They're working on some new pieces coming out. They just released a piece in December. This is full film. Uh, these are full films and done with an amazing amount of talent. Matt and Joy are an amazing team. And everything they do is to bring Christ into their message. So really a good story tonight. You're going to get to know them a bit, know their story, and we'll get into a lot of good discussion. Before we start tonight, one thing to be very clear, and this is one of these things that you have to be aware of as we go in, is that we are looking at a disruption in our economy in a big way. These are people that are playing games with this. We know this, and they're looking at two major vectors, and one is to disrupt your money and to disrupt the food. So I'm really always very happy that we have sponsors that step into those roles that are so good. One of our one of these great companies is Birch Gold, and literally they are in a place right now where they are offering you the ability to get your 401ks, your, your IRAs moved into a precious metals-backed IRA or 401k, and that's so critical right now getting things into tangible assets. No matter where we go, it looks like we are trending towards digital, and I am not a digital fan at all. And they are. this is a, a piece here that digital is becoming the thing because everybody wants to not have to carry cash or carry anything. They want to be able to do everything off their phone. But no matter where you go into digital, everything is going to be monitored, and that means everything can be manipulated. We need to get to tangible assets. We need to get to Burst Gold. So if you will type, text in, the word BARDS and text it to 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. You're going to get a free information packet from Birch Gold. Take a look at it, read through it, get informed, then give them a call. And from there, they'll be able to advise you on the best ways to move with your retirement savings. And that's the big piece right now, the vulnerable piece. A lot of those funds are still can be transferred. And even though a lot of these funds have been pilfered, but the paper dollar money is still there and this ability to get it over into tangible assets, and I would do that. So I would really advise you to look at doing that and look at also having to advise you on the best way ahead in using precious metals for a retirement account, solid assets, and it's stable over time. So again, type in BARDS and text it to 989898, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and get that done today and you'll get a free information packet and then you'll be able to read through it and make a decision and give them a call and have them walk you through what they can offer, which is great. We are really in an important time right now to maintain not only the information flow, but to elevate the awareness and the awakening within this country. 
And one of those places that we highly gap in is the cultural arts. That's unfortunate. It's just come out of this. And I think a lot of what's happened here is we have become in ourselves brainwashed to a large degree and convinced that somehow, unless it is a big production coming out of Hollywood, that it's not going to be sufficient to meet the people's interests and demands. That's created a real problem in the Patriot movement. Music should be all Patriot music. It's not. It still flows out of Apple. It still flows out of Amazon music. It still flows out of the same, for the most part, the same sources of music creation as the people were fighting. When we get to films, it's the same thing. We are seeing an, a heavy dependency and we, people keep looking to Hollywood to somehow change and transform like if they're magically going to become non-Satanist and tell good stories. We shouldn't be shocked that that's not happening. That's why it's really inspiring to see the talent pushing up and to inspire people to push in and help that move. One of the things Brian Kahenick said last week, which was so important, is when you find a song that's a Patriot song, share the link, share the, share the music. So people know where to find it because the normal channels of distribution are still very heavily controlled by the cabal and by those that are not seeking to do the benefit of humanity. The same with film. Matt and Joy's main pivot is off of Rumble, which is interesting because you would expect them to have a website as a filmmaker. Their main piece is off of Rumble and, that's, and their film company is Spiro Pictures and they'll talk about that today. And why that's important is every single week they have a show on Rumble that you can go over and listen to on the new upcoming stories and events. And they're taking their ministry not only in film but back into the industry to advocate for telling stories that are family-driven, family wholesome, and Christ-centered. Very powerful ministry they have. And that's the whole thing is everybody that's starting to realize when they're doing these things, it becomes an extension of the ministry. And it, it opens up the horizons of how we can speak about our love in in the world, walk in love, walk in the body of Christ, and it's super powerful. So I'm very anxious to introduce you tonight to Matt and Joy Thayer. If you don't know them, great people, great couple, and a great story. One last thing before we go, and that is back to this thing of disruption, and that's food. Food has to be looked at very critically and very realistically, and you have to be prepared for those disruptions. Right now, if you head over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, you're going to find that My Patriot Supply has a one-year food system on sale and an offering right now that will is for under $2,000. That's 2,000 calories a day for a year, sealed in, in these four-layer bags that give you a 25-year shelf life. Now, this is a big deal because right now, statistically, if we look across the board, Gen Z is more prepared than Gen X. That's my generation. Now, I'm going to say they're not more prepared than me, but in me personally, but that is on the average. And that's some, something we should lift our eyebrows out because Gen Z is not typically one we would look at, and yet they're obviously seeing trends and concerns in their future. This isn't about hoarding. This is about being well-prepared for upcoming disruptions and upheavals that are on the horizon, and it's going to happen. So we need to be prepared for that transition, and that's not only for you, but for your family and for your neighborhood. So we're well-prepared, and we're able to hold each other up. So head on over to preparewithbards.com preparewithbars.com, check out the My Patriot Food System, My Patriot Supply Food System for one year. It's a one-year food system on sale for under $2,000. It's a great value, it's a, and it's a great time to take advantage of these things. All of those links are always below the podcast, easy to find. All right, Patriots. So with that, let me introduce you tonight to Matt and Joy Thayer of Sparrow Pictures. Well, Patriots, 
as part of this expanding discussion in Expedition Cafe with the Patriot art movement and creative movement within the Patriot collective, so to speak, I'm very honored today to have Matt and Joy Thayer on. And um, they, you will know them for a number of their films that they've done, and we're going to discuss those today. It's Spiro Pictures is their film company, and they have done some amazing work and for the movement, but more than that, they've expanded the, the range of understanding of the talent that exists within our ranks. So welcome to the show, folks. How are you doing? Wow. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. It's awesome. Yeah. No, it's great to have you. And, you know, I think we all need to get a little background because I know that you, you both come from both ministry and in creative space, and that's an unusual mix. Yeah. Wow. Is it? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Together, I, so. <laughs> I, I would say from my experience, it is. I mean, the, the, to have both those roots in you is pretty good. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to start on that? My, my stories are always longer. Yeah. Um, I, I always tell everybody I fell in love with Jesus and filmmaking uh, on Maui, Hawaii when I was five years old. And my parents helped start the YWAM base over there. And it was the arts and entertainment based. And when I was growing up, I was always told, don't go into arts and entertainment because it's a dog eat dog world. And it's like the devil's playground and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I, I kind of put those dreams behind me. And um, I got pregnant really early on in life. And I had my daughter when I was 16. And I had my son when I was 20 and he was born with a rare genetic syndrome and he had a, just severe disabilities. And I was just taking everything to the Lord. And I really felt like he told me that I was supposed to go after the arts and entertainment and that we were supposed to change that, not kind of, it was just accepted that that's how that industry was ran rather than we should be influencing and impacting that industry. So I took um, my kids and I went to college and I, my son actually attended most all college with me and took me 11 years just to get my AA degree in media communications and then went on to get my bachelor's once we started with online schooling and things that weren't there when I was younger. And then I'm I'm getting ready to, um, I'm going through a horrendous divorce, getting ready to move down to Pasadena. And God told me to stay in Northern California, way up north. We were in Redding, California. This was 2006. Yeah, it's 2006. And I had already went out for the part of Esther and One Night with the King and just different things like that. And I, I, I was like, wow, Lord, I have open doors down there. And you said this is the industry I'm supposed to be, you know, working in. And, um, and so I fought with him for a couple of weeks and I finally said, you know, you must see something I don't see. And, um, I'm just going to surrender it all and trust you with my dreams because you have a better vision than I do. I ended up meeting Matt right after I told like the Lord later. that I was going to stay in Reading and, and just be faithful. And, um, we became best of friends, told him I wouldn't date him or anybody else. And uh, he just hung out. I wore her down, obviously. He, he hung out long enough to to uh, get me to ask him out. So, yeah. And then he said, this is what I want to do as well. And Yeah. And so my story was I was homeschooled, um, lived, you know, grew, well, I, I was born in Vegas, but then my mom and dad moved us out to, you know, Montana uh, when Vegas started getting crazy back in the late 80s and um, homeschooled my whole life and fell in love with animation actually originally um watching disney movies um you know you know the peter pan and alice in wonderland so because the, they would used to do uh the way that it used to work before home video was that 
the the movies would come out they would have like a, a summer re-release of you know some disney classic and so um, my mom and dad would always um, take us to those and you know i remember seeing you know a, a bunch of different movies in the theater from et to you know the black stallion and you know just always loved going to the movies and uh and then i remember specifically um when i was 13 years old um and i was watching aladdin and i I remember loving Aladdin and and going back and seeing it like three times. And at the end, the credits started to scroll and I kind of like 13 year old brain goes, wait a minute, those are adults and they're getting paid to do this. That's rad. You know, like uh, it was kind of like this people get paid to do this uh, and make movies. So um, so I just started I went down to the library because this was pre Internet, pre Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, um, you know, went down to the library and borrowed any book that I could find in Hamilton, Montana on animation, uh, read all of them, um, loved, you know, comic strips and all of that, just any kind of visual drawing, storytelling. And um, then I ended up um, trying to go to animation school. I got m married, you know, my first marriage, uh, got married early. Um had a had a little girl and then tried to move over to Seattle to go to animation school. There was an art institute over there and um, had everything set up. And then kind of the finances, you know, kind of fell through and um, kind of was like, well, I got to park that dream off and be an adult and get a job in a mortgage company or something. And um, ended up just, you know, feeling like part of me died inside. And, you know, when when that happens, um, you know, it really leads to just destructive behavior. Um, my marriage blew up. Um, and, you know, I remember I actually had, you know, I was in ministry and doing things that I shouldn't be doing and, you know, looking at porn and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, my marriage just went, you know, blew up, but I was still pursuing God. And I went down to uh, Bethel Church, uh, went, moved down there, and my life just basically fell apart at that point, um, trying to go to ministry school. And I'm laying on my back, and I tell people I was like, flat on my back, like rock bottom, 50 feet of crap, and then me. And I'm looking at God, um, going, what am I supposed to do now? You know, uh, my you know, I, was, I was a youth pastor. Um, you know, nobody wanted me to do that anymore, you know, everything, you know, basically just, you know, that whole, you know, you, you, you fall in the church and you're, you're just exercised basically. Um, and you can't excommunicate it in a sense. And, um, you're just like, what am I supposed to do? And God's like, well, you know, the thing that I put in your heart that you've always wanted to do, but you've never done, you could probably do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And so it was that kind of at that point where my shift moved from, animation over into like directing like mm -hmm. I, I never thought that I could be a director I always thought about animation even though I had friends who went to film school and I loved like I tell people my film school was uh watching all of the appendices from the Lord of the Rings trilogy like all of the behind the scenes there's like 10 hours I mean it's really amazing film course um and I had watched all of those loved those movies but I never thought of myself as a film director and God kind of opened my eyes to that started giving me visions in the middle of church of scenes and I'm like going I don't know how to get these out of my head and so you know went, now all of a sudden there was the internet and there was Barnes and Noble and Amazon so I could actually go and buy screenwriting books and again it was just my my homeschooling self-education thing kicked in and I just started to 
uh, go after it and found any excuse that I could make. I met Joy. We blended families. You know, I brought in a couple. She brought in four. We had some together. And um, and we started making short films in the park with the kids. I had read, um, if anybody's familiar filmmaking, I read a book called uh, Rebel, Rebel Without a Crew, which was Robert Rodriguez's uh, story about how he made El Mariachi for like $7,000 by himself you know, down in Texas. And, 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 uh, uh, so he's kind of like a legend in independent filmmaking. Um, and this was back before there was digital cameras. So this was like on film. Mm -hmm. And, um, but one of the things that inspired me was he would go out and make short films with his kid, with his, not his kids, but his brothers and sisters, because he was, um, from Catholic large, family. you know, yeah, Mexican Catholic family. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we, uh, so I just started going like, well, I've got a bunch of kids and, you know, they want to act and they have friends they, they have friends, and they're all very inexpensive day rates. So, which is, you know, basically just give them ice cream and a pony. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so we brought them out, uh, to the park and made some films and then started winning film festivals and people started asking us, you know, to, to make, uh, commercial projects. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, I don't want to do commercial projects cause I'm a filmmaker and I'm an artist and. Joy's like, you got to start making more stuff and getting paid. Business person. Because <laughs> all these, all these uh, little short films are, you know, they're, you know, they're a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand dollars. You know, people don't realize, you know, how much money it takes to just even do little small stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so that's kind of how we started doing that. Mm -hmm. So when you say commercial, when you say commercial yeah. films, like, are they like advertisement, that sort of thing? Yeah. So yeah. we've, we've worked for HP, Verizon, Cisco systems. Uh, we've done, um, stuff for, uh, service master restore. Okay. We've done, uh, UC Davis, UC Davis medical center, right. all that kind of stuff. We've done thousands of, of corporate and commercial projects, um, ranging from, like Matt said, from a couple thousand dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, on projects for commercial clients. Mm -hmm. And then I actually got the opportunity to go work um, on the film I Can Only Imagine. And so this was the first time I had ever left my son ever. Like he'd only, he, I may have left him a total of three days in his entire life. And Matt was taking care of him and I went out and worked on the production team of I Can Only Imagine. And during that time, my father was dying of cancer and I was also helping to be his caregiver. And so he had encouraged me to go out. And so I, I went out there, worked on the project, came home over Christmas break, and he ended up passing away on Matt and I's wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to work after Christmas break was over. And then that led to me working on Unplanned, the film Unplanned. And um, and it, for those that don't know about Unplanned, it is a true life story of Abby Johnson, who was a Planned Parenthood director, had been a part of over 20,000 uh, abortions. And um, she had a come to Jesus moment. And, um, and she actually saw an abortion happen on the ultrasound machine. And she said, what am I doing? And so she became a whistleblower on Unplanned. And then she wrote a book and, and everything. And so when I was asked to help bring in some finances for that project, um, I knew that I, I needed to be a part of that because what people don't understand is it's not even about abortion. It's about life. And they, they would, um, having somebody that was severely disabled, I was allowed to legally euthanize my son at any point in his life because I was considered his life support because he couldn't 
feed himself. He couldn't do anything for himself. He had no head, neck, or trunk control. And so in California, you had that legal right. And they said, they're not, you know, this isn't about even pregnancy and the life of a mother. This is about the value of life. And so um, got to work on that project. We brought a bunch of our team out there. Matt did the behind the scenes directing and different things on that project. And then when that film came out, the day that it came out was um, our the film's Twitter account got taken down. Hundreds of thousands of followers got removed off of Twitter and just was gone. Yep. And so that was before censorship was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so our, our executive producers and stuff went out to the White House and they had to testify um, in front of Congress. And one of the executive producers became really close friends with Laura Trump at the time. And um, and so then that led us to the project, The Trump I Know. So we got to film 31 women in the business, the family and the campaign, including President Trump in the White House in 2020. And then we've now we've done four documentaries in three years on top of other projects and so that's 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 caught up to speed today i think four documentaries in three years i can relate this four is good yeah. yeah no it's yeah. uh i was when i was in uh, afghanistan i did the equivalent of two documentaries in six months so you can yeah these yeah. are you know the when you're shooting editing producing everything yourself that's that's a load right so yeah 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 we had a really good team on the on the Trump. I know we got that done in like three months, which is pretty crazy. Um, and you know, I nine states. We went to nine. Yeah, states. like like seven or nine states, something like that. And um, we uh, and it was funny because it was total God journey. I mean, I we prayed. We our entire team was Christian. We prayed, had communion um, almost every night, um, and um, we just kind of. I, I didn't know we didn't know what we were going to be filming. I mean, we we had an in with Laura Trump and she was going to make some introductions for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I kind of told my team on the way down, I'm like, this is going to be kind of like a wildlife documentary. Like, you know, we're going to find a pride and film them. Uh, maybe the big lion's going to show up. Uh, we'll get Richard Attenborough to narrate it later and, uh, you know, put it out there kind <laughs> nice, of thing. Nice. Um, and, um, and God just kind of led us through, there's so many kind of divine appointments, but there were several times where I would wake up in the middle of the night going, Lord, Lord, I have no idea if this mm -hmm. is even going to be anything. I mean, I don't know, you know, like I have a, a plan, I have a vision, I have an idea of what I want, but some of the things just weren't working out and then everything just kind of like came together in this really divine way. Um, and, uh, to this day, my favorite, um, my favorite review on Amazon is a one star review. And uh, everybody's always like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you want a like a one star review? And I'm like, well, it's because the person said this was completely staged. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> if you think it's that good, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> there was nothing staged about it. That's good. So I think that is a huge compliment. Yeah. So that was really your first break in into kind of the Patriot movement as far as filmmaking? Mm. I'd say, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. everything that you've done, that we've done, has had some kind of, you know, moral compass that the Patriot Movement's been a part of. You know, mm -hmm. it has some kind of uh, libertarian values and freedom and hope and and some kind of um, centered in Christ, you know, kind of thing. But that was the first overtly. Yeah, it was Patriot. the it was the first time that we kind of drew a line in the sand because, um, you know, I, I. I Joy and I have both come from families that, you know, talked about the new world order and, 
mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve and gold and silver and all that sort of stuff, even back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and so these types of conversations, we're, it's not, we're not new to it's us. Not nothing, it's nothing new. And um, but we were, um, you know, we, we actually never we didn't vote for Trump in 2016. We were we didn't I, vote for Hillary. We didn't vote for Hillary just to there. put that out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I was a Rand Paul fan, big Ron Paul fan, um, more libertarian than, uh, than Republican. Um, uh, and, and so I just saw it as kind of like Coke and Pepsi again. And I'm like, I just don't, it's just, you know, I was like, I'm going to vote my conscience, uh, which was not for either of those uh, candidates. And then as he began to, uh, govern and I was like going, wow, like he's actually doing some of the things that I, I heard Ron Paul say that needed to happen, which was like reversing some executive orders and just doing all of the things that we've now seen him do. And you're like, wow, I think he was the right guy and uh, began to, you know, research and all of that. And so that's kind of why the Trump I know is kind of interesting because it kind of encompasses a little bit of, of mm-hmm. our journey of, you know, becoming you know, more of a, like a, a Trump fan, um, and, um, and, and kind of circumventing past and dissecting through all of the narratives, uh, about him. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so, but we always, yeah, but we've always been very politically minded, mm-hmm. but when it came to, you know, like what we would share online, you know, through our company or anything apolitical. like that, it was pretty apolitical. Yeah. And we were trying to make inroads with with Hollywood. Right. And um, and so when the opportunity came to do the Trump, I know I remember in a moment I was like thinking, wow, this is going to draw a line in the sand. And God telling me, like, why are you trying to curry favor with, you know, kind of an area or Hollywood that's, you know, dying um, in, in and I'm trying this, to take down. Right. And, <laughs> right. Well, you kind of like I'm trying to expose and, you know, he kind of pointed towards the other part of America. And he was like, that's, that's your audience. You need to get to know them. And so, um, so yeah, so that's been kind of the turning point for us where we became a lot more um, frontward facing kind of like, uh, I kind of equated to David looking at Goliath and running towards him Mm -hmm. and saying like, well, you know, this is where the enemy is and he's going down. So we're just going to get out there and charge. We got five stones. Let's do it. Yeah. Nice. How did that affect your commercial clients when you did that piece? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was uh, getting ready to hire in early 2020. Um, I'm, I was getting ready to hire a producer from Los Angeles to move up to Reading. And we were going to get Range Rover. And we were going to bring that client in. We were going to get some other clientele. And this was going to be one of the largest uh, regular clients that we had, like annual uh, budgets and different things like that. And so I had been um, interviewing him. And then when 2020 like crashed and burned and so just back it up for one second. Um, So my, my son, when we were working on plan, he came to end of life and he was almost, uh, almost 21 years old when he passed away. But um, so 2019, he ended up passing away. And so I call it my gray year from 2019 to 2020. And he passed away the night before my my birthday. And so turn in 2020, when it, in the very beginning, I'm seeing a trauma counselor and a grief counselor and going through some stuff. And I'm trying to hire some people that um, can take over some of my responsibilities and I can move on. And so I found this guy. He's really great. Want to do that. Um, and then Pride Month comes out in February. 
And then all of these clients want to do uh, this whole pro pride month kind of thing. All of the their logos changed and all that kind of stuff. And and I was going, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with well, that. and then there was the there was the Black Lives Matter. And then stuff. Black Lives Matter stuff came out. And then there was just one thing after another. And um, so we looked at each other and we talked to each other about all of this and said, what are we gonna do? You know, we have to decide who we're gonna serve. And if you're getting paid to do something, you get paid to do what they tell you to do, right? And so we said, Well, this isn't the clientele that we want to serve. And so we decided at that moment we will only do we'll only take on clients that are pro God or pro and pro America. Um, if they are destroying the fabric of America, if we're doing something that's going to be destructive, then that's not a client we wanted. So I went back to the guy that I'm getting ready to sign the contract. We paid lots of money to go through the whole contract phase, all this stuff. And I go back to him and said, we're not going to hire you. And then, um, and then after COVID, we'd worked on um, the reawakening and Gavin Newsom was going through uh, the recall and Matt said, he's going to cheat. He's going to get back in and he's going to be worse than ever. And and I'm so, sitting there going, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And um, we're driving down the road, and I'm like, no, like this isn't going to happen. And um, and sure enough, that's what happened. And then I, our workman's comp is doubling overnight because he's like, well, that's what the people want, and they voted for me, and you know the, their voices are heard. They like the way I'm doing politics, and just I mean, it went down fast. So we moved to Oklahoma. So we we packed up. And we took our family and we moved to Oklahoma and we said, okay, we're going to be in the middle of America. We're going to be able to get to projects and things from here. And, um, and it was getting increasingly hard with our, with our, with our, um, crew. not just our, you know, not just the clients, but the crew, you know, because I mean, before 2020, but well, before what, well, when we started making these larger, you know, more frontward facing patriotic stuff, um, we, you know, it didn't matter. It's like if you could edit something, it'd be great. You know, whatever your political beliefs or whatever, who cares? I didn't really know. come into the office. But yeah. So when uh, but when we started working on that, all of a sudden, you know, you have people in your office saying, I don't want to work on that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do the job that you're asking. We had an editor not want to edit the Trump I know. And we would try to be like, sensitive uh, to that. And because we had other projects, you know, that were, mm-hmm. you know, apolitical, just commercial stuff. And so it's like, OK, well, you can work on these things. And. But it just started getting more and it was just harder and harder and more and more uncomfortable. Um, and so we realized that we pretty much had to just start over. And, you know, so moving to Oklahoma was like we we uh, we did a sharp nose dive. We, sharp nose dive. we were like, yeah, and then just kind of, you know, <laughs> laid, laid some people off and said, well, we're moving states and um, this just makes more sense for us financially. I mean. You know, an LLC in California costs 900 bucks a year and in Oklahoma, it's like 100. So it's like there's just massive differences in small business um, expenses and overhead. And so we decided, well, this is what it was going to be to do. So we've just been rebuilding essentially for the last mm-hmm. couple of years in the middle of, you know, doing um, these uh, three or four documentaries. But I think a theme that you'll probably see in Matt and I's life is just really trying to do our best of putting God first in everything. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he will he'll redeem all things. And so it's been a good year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really good 2024. Um, and then now we have we've, we've started finding who our tribe is and then who our audience is. And I think that our audience overall is a lot of a lot of people, not just in America, but the globe. They're hungry for 
the stories of freedom, the stories of hope and the things that we care about. And they want to know what they can do. They want tools that they can be empowered by. And so even though we've done documentary work and we're doing another one right now, it'll have a lot of scripted pieces. Um, we'll have some projects coming up. We've been working on with some people that are going to be in the narrative uh, field, everything from children's content to, to adult content. That's um, if it doesn't out and right glorify God, it won't, at least it won't grieve his heart. You know, you're not going to be sitting there watching something and being like, oh my goodness, like mm -hmm. if, if Jesus was sitting next to me as a physical being, I'd be so uncomfortable, but because I can't see him, I'm okay. You know, it's like, we, we're going to yeah. create stuff that he he's going to be laughing at as well. I think that's fantastic. I think that's kind of the root of all things. And it's, it is a challenge as we go through this and trying to hold those lines and, and trying to keep pure in that walk and that belief. This um, time that we're in right now is obviously in a lot of upheaval and there's a, there's a lot of uh, tensions we've seen J six, two years ago, we've got, um, there's a lot of contention within the ranks, even MAGA is starting to split and divide a bit. Um, yep. What are you seeing in terms of your messages you're trying to push forward now? Are you trying to take an arc that's trying to bring people together or are you just trying to stay focused on key stories just to highlight the human component of this? Mm, that's a mm. good question. Wow. I think both. To be honest, because I don't think that I think that um, the global elites have have really tried very hard to get people segregated and get people against each other. And so whether it's in families, whether it's in political factions or uh, races or I mean, look at what we're experiencing right now with um, just gender identity, you know, and the confusion that's going on there. So I think that the stories that we're trying to tell need to unify people because we have more in common than we don't. And so a lot of times if somebody doesn't know our political um, affiliation, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. And then you'll say, you know, they'll see something or they'll say something about oh, you guys worked on this or that. And then there's just becomes this awkwardness and I'm going, wait, how was I so wonderful and amazing two seconds ago? And now like, you don't even want to be around me kind of thing. And so I think that that's, I think that, that God wants everything reconciled to them. And so I think that we need to have that first. Um, there is okay, you know, there's just this okayness with us if people are offended or that it does bring some kind of division. Um, and we, we're not everybody's savior and we leave that to the Lord. But I think, and then the stories that we're trying to tell is um, probably the last few are talking about um, how fragile our nation is. And what we need to be doing and giving people tools and resources, because if we lose the freedoms and we lose this nation, we may never get it back and it would be hard to rebuild. And um, and so at this point is just trying to give people information so they can make informed mm -hmm. decisions, no matter what their political affiliation is. And I, I just have I have a lot of hope, actually. I'm, I'm kind of a I'm a hopeful person by default, um, but also because I read the Bible and I and I see mm -hmm um god's hand uh through um through the bible through history um nations rise and fall um and at one point you know um people were freaking out about babylon and and you know you know like they were the big bad boogeyman and um and they were and, and yeah they were um and they but they were very big and very huge and at that time like how who could who could stop them and um god's like yeah no they're gonna end and you know, and and so I feel like the same thing, you know, when people talk about, you know, the World Economic Forum and, you know, all of these different um, 
you know, not nation states now, but we have these kind of corporate states that have, you know, uh, that have risen up and, you know, they're the kind of the, 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 the kings and the boogeyman of, of this age. And it's not saying that we're not, not concerned about it, but I just feel like when you take that heavenly perspective and you look at it from God's point of view, um, you know, things start looking a little less, um, little less big, you know, and you can kind of go, oh, no, actually, he's got this. Um, and we just have to stay close to him. And when it comes to storytelling and the way that we tell stories, I've always been um, really one of the, actually one of my favorite, um, I guess, eh, I guess you would call them it like a, like a treatment on filmmaking is not really, or storytelling is not even from that. It's uh, from the first chapter of Mere Christianity, where uh, C.S. Lewis talks about um, the universality of moral law and how, um, you know, you can go somewhere else in the world and find people who, you know, are, are honoring like uh, somebody standing in line, like, nobody, you know, you don't go and cut somebody in line or, you know, there's just different things that are unspoken inside of us that um, God has placed there because God made everybody. And is mm -hmm. and, and I feel like um, as storytellers, if we can gravitate towards those common universal truths that God has written on the hearts of everyone, um, we've got a better shot at creating some bridges and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of common denominators between uh, people. And I think that's what storytelling can do. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we do anything politically charged, we're always looking for that human element. We're always looking for that universal kind of element to it. Um, and it seems to be working because people watch it and like selection code, uh, the one that we did about Tina Peters, um, you know, people were like, crying in the audience and they're like it's a documentary I, it's a documentary about election fraud and people go like i wasn't expecting to to tear up mm -hmm. and um well it's because there's there's this human element there that's you know about injustice and you know we don't you know we nobody wants to watch that nobody wants to see that and um and so when you present that in a way um, people will accuse you of like, well, you're being manipulative. And it's like, no, you're just telling the truth. I mean, I, I think Hollywood has gotten away and media, Madison Avenue, they they understand the psychology of human behavior and they understand the inner workings of the mind, mm -hmm. um, you know, and how to use the psychology of selling and all of that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. Persuasion. And persuasion and manipulation. And that's been used and they very, very much understand it and value it. But mm -hmm. it's just like a tool like anything else. It's like using a hammer. You can use a hammer to kill somebody or you can build a house with it. And so if you can take that tool and begin to understand it from the standpoint of like, I'm going to communicate the truth and I'm going to use this hammer in a proper way um, to build something mm -hmm. rather than tear somebody's psyche down. Um Hopefully we'll, it, we'll be able to teach them how to critically think. Right, exactly. You can actually dispel, creating. you can actually use the same tools that they're using to put people under a spell. You can use the same tools to, to, to dispel mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, that manipulation. Mm -hmm. So The Patriot Movement is an interesting one when it comes to creative arts. We were talking a little bit about mm -hmm. this in the beginning. I think that... Um, there's been, in my opinion, there's been such an inoculation of what creativeness needs or should look like. And that comes a lot from Hollywood and a lot of the uh, darkness of even our music industry. That I think mm -hmm. it suppressed a lot of talent and even a lot of confidence to know that there is a great deal of talent within the ranks. So it's kind of a twofold question. I'm just curious because one for yourself, I mean, 
you're you're exposing the as a representation of that movement and one that centers themselves in in their walk in Christ of how much power creativity can have and what you have within that. But it's I'm I sense it, it just with not just with you but others the understanding of the patriot movement to understand how important their participation is in these creative arts to get them engaged mm-hmm. not just um, as Brian Kennehenick said last Sunday just take the song and spread it and so this was common it's like take my song download it and share it everywhere because yeah. unless you do that no one knows who we are because we don't have mm-hmm. the big industry of distribution that seems to be endemic in, in the what I would call the patriot movement is it a lack mm-hmm. of confidence or understanding of their importance in changing the culture through creative arts. What's your thought? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, no, I think that's huge. And when um, this last year, one of my primary focuses has been on marketing and distribution, you know, because if, if we were in the mainstream industry, they have their um, scale of marketing and distribution. And we haven't really done that well in the Patriot movement. So even if Matt and I create something and there's no apparatus on how to get it out there, then it doesn't, it, it kind of falls flat. So we can have the best film and and no audience for it. And so um, I've been attending um, events at all over um, from Denver for, uh, I'll be going to NRB here uh, in Nashville and some different things like that. I think it is huge that um, if we're going to be doing the grassroots movement, one of the things that people can do and it's free is sharing, you know, mm-hmm. here's something watch this, listen to it, um, tell, tell, like, leave some kind of a review for somebody, tell them what you liked, tell them what you didn't like. You know, Matt and I are very happy to have um, actual good critique. If somebody can not just say your stuff sucks, but actually say, um, you know, they can articulate themselves on what they didn't care for or whatnot. And I think that's really important because I, I think that's also something that we haven't valued in the both Christian and Patriot movements is some kind of quality critique because we are artists. We need to be creating art as well as meaningful content. And so I think that this this right. next season... Well, if I could jump in real quick, yeah. I think just to make a quick point is that the pro, one of the problems with um, the expansion of art on, on a patriotic or even Christian level um, is that um, what happens is is um let's see that the artist will present something and expect everybody to see their art for their heart you know like their intention and and things like that and so any person any critique ends up being translated to that artist as persecution you know like well you didn't believe in my you know uh in my cause or um you know you, you know it's like you're you're persecuting me for righteousness sake kind of a thing and, and it's like, well, no, actually, I think your movie just sucked. And it's like, and and there's probably uh, some things that you could do uh, to enhance your storytelling and things like that. But we have to be open for that um, to be able to be received. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because of the inherent persecution, I think that, you know, um, that you expect as a Christian or as somebody on the, you know, on the conservative side of things these days, um, there's a tendency to inoculate yourself um against uh, potentially you know like sifting through obviously there's going to be haters you know that are just hating you like because well that's just completely staged you know, that kind of an idea but there's going to be people who have actual real good 
critique and, you know, and, and can look at the work as, as, you know, a piece of art or a piece of work and give you some feedback that could make you better. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to be able to help hold our, our product at, in an open hand. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do also think that, um, I mean, I, I was sent a website, I think it was yesterday mm-hmm. about some stuff that's coming out for, uh, marketing and distribution and, and media in the Patriot realm and everything. And I was asked to give some feedback and I, there was some stuff that I liked and they were doing really well and that we could do at scale. Um, some of my questions were, how do we not create propaganda ourselves? Um, how do we not um, be uh, just sharing our own biases? If we're talking about scale, because you can uh, you can do a little one-offs or whatever, but if you're going to actually regulate something and say, this is who we are as a company, you know, I, I wanted some of those questions asked or answered. And then um, I also felt like a lot of stuff in the Patriot movement was very on the nose. It's not very artistic. It's not very creative. And and um, you're not going to get that crossover audience that we're looking for. We don't want to just be preaching to the choir. We we want to be reaching anybody that um, that has a heartbeat that wants to listen, you know. And so I think that there's still some things that we need to gain momentum on. But I do find that there are more people coming out of the industry that have worked there, that have served there for many years, that have a lot of skill sets, that are starting to find one another and connect. And, um, and I think that's the other thing is I've really felt like far too long that Christians and conservatives have kind of protect, tried to protect their little slice of the pie instead of working together. You know, this is my thing. This is my thing. They've been siloed. And I really think we're better together. You know, we need to unite and we need to be um, strengthened. And so I think we're going to see some stuff coming up. Um, there's a team over at Ori that's doing some wonderful stuff. And there's, there's a, a bunch of people that are doing some things that I think we'll be seeing more, um, in the open soon. Well, yeah. And I, and I think that it kind of just dovetailing real quick on what, something that you commented on was, um, you know, in the Christian or, or, or Patriot movement, we tend to be a lot on the nose. We got to hit people over the head with the truth. The truth is the most important thing. And it is important. Um, but you know, it, like I was saying before, um, they, they've kind of shied away from like creating emotional pieces. And if they try to make anything emotional, it ends up being really kind of melodramatic or kitschy. And, um, and, and, uh, and, and instead of like actually understanding, like I was saying, some of those psychological things that, you know, can be used as a tool to spread the truth and make the truth kind of go down a little bit easier and a, an easier pill to mm-hmm. swallow, um, and, um, and then, um, the, the, the thing that you mentioned where people, we, we've met a lot of people from Hollywood mm-hmm. that are Christians that have been in the industry for a lot of years. And mm-hmm. some of them are, are still intending to be there and want to be that, you know, that Daniel that's still out there, uh, serving the Nebuchadnezzars and trying to make that, um, make it a better place. And that's awesome. But there's a lot of people that are going like, I can't, I can't work on the things that I'm being required to work on because you don't always get to choose. You know, mm-hmm. if you're just a, you know, if you're a, um, you know, a design illustrator for um, say Marvel or whatever, and all of a sudden you just get handed stuff where you got to like, you know, work on these, you know, witchcraft stuff or things that you're just like not settling. Right. Yeah. Um, Ours might have been a corporate commercial client. Some of right. theirs are are whatever. Yeah, there's just stuff that these guys are being required to design yeah. and work on that they're going like, I just don't know if I can serve that. 
But, you know, what's interesting, and this is where kind of like my hopeful silver lining stuff kind of comes into play, and it's not hopium, it's actually just watching again how God does things. God, people forget that, you know, God had Moses uh, raised up in the palace of the Egyptians, you know, um, and grew up as a prince mm-hmm. um, because at one point he knew he was going to need a leader for his people. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, learned how to be a leader uh, in that environment. Um, and um, and so, you know, there's people in Hollywood that God had called there, you know, and worked within the studio system. We know several of them that spent decades that are coming out. That are coming that out. That, but they are so skilled and so talented. I mean, they have just learned with the best of the best. And so now I see this kind of time where, you know, especially in the creative, I mean, there's a lot of shaking going on um, in every industry, um, including ours. And there's there, these people are coming out and we're seeing, you know, people exploring stuff like, um, you know, you mentioned uh, there's a, a, a new service called Ori that is working um, to come into fruition. Um, what, you know, Dallas Jenkins is doing with The Chosen and um, some of these other, you know, guys that we know that are working on, you know, creating these content platforms mm-hmm. that, you know, are are not necessarily even like Christian faith-based stuff, but just Mm-hmm. good filmmaking that's just telling stories like we used to watch when you know we would watch like little house on the prairie or you know whatever just like really good stories that have good values in them that most america wants to watch and actually i think most of the world most wants the to world, watch yeah they think there's a couple things here this um one of the things i say regularly is we can win every battle but we'll lose the war if we don't make a moral shift in our nation we've got to get back mm-hmm. to a moral center exactly and we have to get back to accountability and part of that accountability as well is consumption of the products that we use. So to your point, I started talking about distribution. The conventional distribution models are actually arcane. They're broken, but people mm-hmm. still depend on them. And they've just, all they've been is basically overlaid onto some new digital networks that are all conglomerate yeah. owned. And then this is where I put the onus back on the conservative slash patriot independent movement is that, what you consume drives the industry. And I don't think that settles yeah. in enough for people. I, I had a professor at, uh, he was actually a Frankfurt School graduate, so it gives you the idea, right? And it was when I was working on my master's and fundamentally said one of the most brilliant things as we have a class of master's students and PhD students, and most of them are, this is Eugene, Oregon, so that's like the country of Eugene, right? And it's like extreme radicals, and they're all talking about the, revolution of America and so forth. And he just stops everybody. He says, you all are missing it. He actually said something more brutal than that, but we'll spare it for this show. And yeah. he essentially telling everybody in the room that they're all stupid. And you can imagine yeah. the, the PhD did about ready to minds are ready to blow up. And he said, fundamentally, all you have to do is stop buying. Well, that, that, yeah. that lesson there is so critical. And I don't think we get it well enough mm-hmm. across the spectrum of the Patriot movement of how important mm-hmm. it is that the purchases and even the dwell time that we have on products or the sharing is the mm-hmm. central point to the success or failure of this industry that we so openly say we loathe, which is what comes out of Hollywood. And not to lump everything in there, but the majority of it anymore is just corrupted values. And then mm-hmm. the same within the music industry. We aren't t- spending enough time as a collective whole supporting that effort to saying, look, I'm going to make a break because 
for whatever reason, it's like, well, that's not exactly kind of what we were talking earlier. It's not exactly what I want to see. Okay, but you can't stimulate that industry mm-hmm. if every single time you turn away and you turn back to the horrors of Babylon, quite frank. Mm-hmm. So what has been your experience in that optic? Because I enjoy you're in, the, in that place a lot. I mean, are you seeing a greater willingness of patriots to dig in or are you seeing a, um, a more expansion or is it, is it being kind of forced upon them because the industry is getting tired? We've been talking about this and saying, okay, mm-hmm. I got to do something else. I'm still not seeing the cohesive effect mm-hmm. of the Patriot movement coming together and saying, look, mm-hmm. we can, we can, we can change things with our choices. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think unfortunately I, uh, I still experience a lot of people with talk and not a lot of action. It's, it's much easier to say something and, and to be, you know, I mean, we, Matt and I have drawn a line in the sand of some places we won't shop ever again. And, one of them, I was just like, oh, because that's one of my favorite stores. And just having the, the you know, grieving process of like, I'm I'm actually choosing not to shop there and, and will not shop there. I've had people say, oh, we'll just pull over here. No, no, no that's good. I don't want to shop there. That's a conscious choice that, that we have made. And I think it's a very important choice because that is what drives industries is money. If we talk about... Um, the global elites in the World Economic Forum, and you're talking about BlackRock, and you're talking about where they're putting investment dollars, they are using the data that they gather from people to make those investments and what they're doing, and they're steering things. And so I think that people need to make choices for their family and say, this is the values that we're going to adhere to whether they're purchasing something or they're choosing not to purchase something and and whether you're watching something or choosing not to watch something. I know this last couple of years, you know, we got rid of our Netflix and our Disney plus mm-hmm. and we work in the industry. And, and so we keep, we have every subscription out there. We can write it off. We can write it off <laughs> on our taxes because we'll get a suggestion of like, watch this film or watch this or, or whatever. And we said, um, and we were so excited when Disney Plus came out because we were like, oh, yay, some of our, you know, all these classics that you haven't seen. And Pollyanna and the Apple Dumpling Gang and, uh, you know, like (laughs) all cool old movies that we used to like to watch. And then we were going, but we're not going to, we're not going to fund that industry. Um, And then where do we fund? And I think we haven't quite figured out the sources. You know, there's some great stuff that's happening over at Angel. And I helped with the marketing team on, on, um, on uh, Sound of Freedom and different things like that, I, I think that the, that we're still discovering um, what what we can do for distribution outlets. But I think that until that gets solidified, I think one of the things that people need to know going to these conferences is their goal is to keep somebody in front of a screen for at least three hours. That's what makes them money. And the two top things that keeps you in front of the screen for up to three hours has, has it overall was true crime drama and do-it-yourself stuff. And they said that from the do-it-yourself stuff, um, you can watch something, you can watch a craft show, you can watch a home improvement show, you can watch a baking show, and it gives you a high as if you did it yourself and you never did anything besides you watched a show. But then they get all the marketing and ad dollars because you've watched something and then they've just been sitting there inundating you with all of this information and programming you. So I think one of the things isn't just where you're buying stuff. It's like deciding what you're going to do with your life. Do I want to sit in front of a screen for three hours? You know, we took all social media off of our phones. 
and said, we're not going to, if we want to be on social media, we have to be intentional. We have to go on the computer. We have to, because you'd just be sitting there scrolling through Facebook for a couple hours. You don't even realize that you've done that, but I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time for, you know, all these things. So just like start making those decisions. And then when you're finding, you know, content that you like over on Rumble or um, different companies that are, that you are enjoying consuming their content, share that content with other people so that they can know where to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And sharing the stuff is important just because, especially right now, because we're, we're in the process of trying to navigate through, like you were saying, I mean, the industry is, uh, people that don't understand the industry that we've been in uh, 20 years ago, it didn't look like anything like this. I mean, it was a, it was pretty cut and dry um, process. You know, you made something, you got some distribution deals, you put out a DVD deal, you know, like you could actually create some, um, you, you kind of had a plan and it, and, and it, it was more kind of tick the box. Mm-hmm. And, and nowadays it's like, things are rapidly changing because of technology and consumer preference. And then, you know, it's like everybody bought into these streaming platforms. And then, you know, a couple of years later, everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't handle, you know, $7.99 and $14.99 and all of these subscriptions coming out of my account. You know, so people are just, you know, it's not just even a moral thing that's causing people to restrict some of these subscriptions. It's like, it's because it's like a subscription fatigue, they call it. And so there's just patterns of behavior in consumers that are causing, you know, shifts and things like that. And so, you know, so finding a place and um, for distribution for content is not just a matter of whether or not you're going to be censored on something. It's a matter of whether or not, you know, consumers are actually looking for that type of content on that platform, Mm -hmm. you know, type of a thing. And so there's a lot of really interesting things that are happening right now. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that, you know, People can get behind if you hear, like, for example, Angel Studios. Angel Studios is doing some good stuff. Um, and so if anybody can, not not perfect. Not perfect, but they're doing some good stuff and they're making some strides in, in in creating a platform where somebody can just pull it up on their on their device and and very easily find something that you know isn't gonna violate, mm-hmm. you know, family values. Um there are some other people that we know right. that are I really working like on the team stuff. over at Ori, and I'll share that with you yeah. um, that are doing some great things. But then the other thing, if if people are interested, Matt and I have um, sparrowrumble.com, which is S-P-E-R-O, sparrowrumble.com. And we're doing a weekly show called Coming Attractions, and we're actually interviewing people in the industry. So yesterday we, um, we got to connect with our friend Richie Ramsey, Richard Ramsey, who just did Unsung Heroes, which will come out um, April 26th. And we said, you know, why are these stories important to you? So we're, we're trying to highlight Christians and conservatives in our industry and films that people can watch. And we're trying to, um, make it where people know what you would take your family to. And we're trying to do some reviews on just regular mainstream content. So like we took our kids to go watch Wonka and we said, you know, do we want to discuss the what's the why's how come, and then get people involved in, um, having conversations with their family. So you can go to sparrowrumble.com and see our, what we have going on just to keep people informed. And then as these distribution uh, platforms start popping up, we're going to be sharing those with people too. Where, where, you, where can you watch content? Why would you choose to watch it here rather than somewhere else? So we're going to be continuing to have well, those conversations. Well, you're going to be going to NRB here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And you know that's where a lot of these types of conversations of different types of platforms and yeah. things like that are happening. And, you know, and we, and we end up talking about it, you know, on our podcast. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. one of the things I find in the receiving of content is the expectation of perfection, which gets in our way. Mm-hmm. 
by the audience, not so much the creators. And you kind of hit on that. If you miss a point, especially when we get into family values, we get into things that are scriptural. My experience with Patriot Movement, we talk about creative arts, is there's just a couple of genres that really pop in. I mean, the biblically, biblical stories tends to be a big one. Mm-hmm. And the um, and that ha- and that's pretty hard and fast. There's a lot of heavy eyes on that as whether you're going to tell it correctly, miss something, right? right. And, and mm-hmm. it becomes highly, you become assaulted pretty quickly if it doesn't go the way that one church or one group believes it's going to be. We have um, outside of that a lot of probably action-driven interests, but I think what you guys have done is opened up the the optic for people to see the range. You mentioned documentary having emotion, which is huge. I mean, really being able to feel it. It's just a difficult time because we so much of the values of the nation have been assaulted. And so I think there is a lot of uh, wounding and there's a lot of protectionism around that to try to avoid anything that is going to be disparaging to a, a value you're trying to raise your kids up from. So the real question is, in the midst of a culture that digs on everything, <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. everything, like, yeah. are you going to, are we going to take that such to such a degree that do we deconstruct everything to to mm-hmm. nothing, right? There has to be, you're, you're pointing out some really good issues here, and, and I, I kind of want to pull that back into your NRB thing, which is, you're engaging in a ministry of film with others. And that ministry, as I always use the metaphor, the, the story, I mean, Christ sits with prostitutes and tax collectors. They are mm-hmm. not of the, they are not the princes of the time. And yet his time and understanding there of what that means to getting to the underbelly of society is huge and their reception to hearing him. So I, I kind of want to throw that back at you because in this this concept of engagement that you're doing across industry, not just in your own, you're making some hard choices of what you're going to consume, but you're also engaging back into the industry to say, this is what we're doing, listening and helping lift up. Are you seeing a positive effect there? Is that part of how you see your ministry? Yeah, I think definitely seeing a positive effect. Um, I I think that... You know, we used to create opportunity in Northern California for artists to get together. And now I said, if you put all these artists in the same room, we're going to have creative babies. I think that if we can get out to, I mean, I went to Sundance a few years ago and it was like one of the most ungodly places. And I was in a meeting there, it was called Us Versus Them. And I'm sitting there and it was just so stressful because they're showing an overtly um, humanistic version of their reality and and I'm sitting in the room and I said Lord why am I here and he said somebody needs to be salt and light he goes you're bringing angels into this room you're bringing the angelic host you're changing the atmosphere and you have to hear the plans and then also he goes there's going to be other people that agree with you that need to know that they're not alone and so that was a, a very significant thing and so not being afraid to go into dark places if that's what you're called to do. If you're not called, you won't have the grace for it. And then also for just connecting with other people. What's on your heart? What do you want to do? I think of people all the time and I'm going, oh, so-and-so is really good at this. And I can connect them with these people. Even if it doesn't benefit me, it'll benefit what we're trying to accomplish overall. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that's very important. I also think one of the things that General Flynn had said is he said, always evaluate um, the people that you're listening to. If, you, if you're constantly around people that are just complaining and just, you know, um, talking about everything that's negative, he goes, get away from them and get away from them fast. 
it's one thing to actually have a, a conversation with Matt and kind of vent about everything, but it should be a solution-based conversation. I shouldn't just be dumping all the time, you know? And so I think even with what you're talking about, whether it's in the um, in the political movement or what's going on in our industry is what solutions are we going to come up with and what what are the problems, the holes and the gaps? Who has solutions to those problems, holes and gaps? Where are they and connecting with them? Because I think that our industry is such a team sport. And if on, if you only had good quarterbacks, you don't have a great team. And so we need to find the other parts of the team. Well, year, years ago, I mean, well, about a year ago, um, I kind of woke up and I felt like God kind of challenged me because I would listen to, you know, a couple of different, um, you know, podcasts um, a day um, and kind of pointing out the problems, pointing out what's going on, what's in the news, what's happening, what's the deep state doing, like all this stuff. Right. And I kind of, God kind of challenged me and he's like, okay, I don't think you, anybody needs to establish that there's a problem. <laughs> it's like, what we need to start focusing on is what's the solution, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and I think unfortunately, um, you know, the church has bought into that, um, the the fact that it's going to hell in a handbasket is the is, is a uh, is a, is a sign that Jesus is coming back, and so we're supposed to celebrate that. And I think that that's um, to me, I question that because it's like that sounds like, um, you know, if I'm the enemy and I want you to get you to buy into uh, you know my manifestation of my plan, if I can convince you that it's actually the way that God wants it to happen, then I can just run havoc. Uh, over everything and you have the church who's actually the authority buying into his plans and that's not what i feel like jesus said jesus said make disciples of nations mm -hmm. you know uh, and so what does that mean are we discipling nations yep. are we actually you know asking god for his strategies because he wouldn't give us that call without having some sort of plan some sort of idea of what that looks like and how to do it and so all we have to do is start taking him regardless of the industry that we're in, whether you're in the medical industry or whether you're in the financial industry or whether you're in the government specifically or entertainment, we can bring him these things and we can say, Papa, you know, we know that you want your glory to spread across this earth. I mean, that's what it says in the Bible several times, you know, it's like, you know, Yahweh says, you know, basically, uh, um, basically something like he said, uh, uh, basically it's not, until I die, unless I die, like, you know, my glory is going to spread across the earth and I don't think he's going to die. So like there, there's, he's, his glory is going to spread across the earth, whether anybody likes it or not. So how are we partnering with that in our individual fields and going to him for wisdom? Because all he's, I think in a lot of ways, all he's doing is, is waiting for us to ask. Hmm. I would agree with that. I think that greatest destruction we've ever had in the church is the end time theory, which has just paralyzed everybody and just waiting yep. for rapture and waiting for somebody else to fix it. And I think ultimately what you get to, which is ultimately the authorities Jesus gave to us, which is we have authority over snakes and scorpions, authority over all evil. And, yep. and that great statement, you can do greater works than me. All that's red letter language, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we really have mm -hmm. within us the ability to do amazing things. And I think that's inspiring as, you know, as we start to watch, the rise of, of creative arts in particular, which we need to, and that's, that's uh, it's a powerful medium to change culture. So talk, yeah. let's talk about some of the, just kind of go through the films you've done in the last few years. Cause there's a, obviously you started with the first one, which was about yeah. Trump. So 
So mm -hmm. the Trump I know. Then we did uh, selection code. No, we did re did reawakening. Oh, we did reawakening. Yeah. So that was when yeah. we interviewed you, and that's yeah. where we met you. Yeah. Uh, that's right. It was in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, and we interviewed um, a bunch of people that were on the reawaken tour. We had a plan to make several of those, but we only ended up making one. Um, so it's kind of the origin story of Clay Clark and his partnership with General Flynn on doing the reawaken. Uh, tours. One of, one of the things that was great though when we were doing your interview because I didn't get to be in the room with all the interviews <laughs> is um, our sound guy will mic everybody up and, and then he's, he's sitting there listening and then he'll do any cues of like I can hear something or you know all this stuff and all of a sudden he's waving me over and he's like who, who's speaking right there? Because man's doing your interview, and I said, "Oh, that's Scott." And he's like, "I knew it! I knew it!" Because <laughs> he didn't know he didn't know who you were, and then all of a sudden, as soon as he heard your voice coming through on the headphones, he was like, "Bards!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. That happens. That's so long. It's been a long. It's, well, it's been a pretty long journey since then, hasn't it? You know, we had uh, yeah. So you know, I, myself, we've had we, three bards fests, and you guys have had films. We, um, yeah. So from there, and you did. Yeah. yeah, you did. And then it would, the, um, well, you did the, re, the selection code. Was that, is that what followed the reawakening piece? Yeah, that followed. Um, that actually was an interesting, I won't go into a lot of details with that one, but that was like, oof, that was a hard one uh, to go through just because uh, originally I was asked just to come and edit, you know, a kind of a, a kind of 20, a minute. 20 minute, 30 minute thing on Tina Peters. There was just going to be a couple of interviews and, uh, mm -hmm. Um, and Laura Logan was going to be working on it and, uh, um, and, uh, and then it expanded, it, it expanded. And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing was, um, the people that originated the project didn't really have a clear vision on what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. One person thought it was going to be closer to what it is that we achieved. And another person thought it was going to be more of like a 60 minutes thing. And the other person thought it was going to be essentially like a documentary is just sitting behind a desk and interviewing people on a stage. And so, you know, when you say documentary, um, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, and so I didn't realize that until about halfway through the project that, you know, this was like a cluster. And so um, ended up important story, very important story. And so but we ended up um, almost crashing and burning on that thing. But we came in under the wire, got it all done, um, had to do a lot of re-edits in the last couple of weeks. And, um, and, uh, and like I said, I mean, we, it, it was, I, I feel like I have to just hand over to God credit on so many different things, because mm -hmm. there's just times where you're in that flow creatively and you're under the pressure cooker and there's just like divine inspiration that kind of comes and things just kind of come together and work. And then you're, you know, sitting in Springfield, Missouri in front of 300, I don't know how many people were in the room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got, you know, ex-Marines sniffling, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you're just like, wow. You know, you could just feel that thing that kind of comes on, um, a, you know, a, a body of people when they're watching something. You can just feel that kind of emotional presence in the room um, that just hits everybody. Um, and that was that. So that was really special to see that. Well, right, we just so. did. We just finished State of Denial, Arizona. Mm -hmm. So, people, what's the website? State uh, State dash of dash denial dot com. That's just yeah. now, just recently. You're saying you just did that. That one came out December twentieth. December, okay. yeah. And um, we had over we had over a million views in nine days. Wow, um, this is great. People can go to the website and watch it, and that's a great one to share. You can also go to on on uh, on. Well, I call it Twix now. Um, X, but, Twitter. Uh, it's yeah, X Twix, Twix uh, Twitter, whatever. Yeah. 
but um, yeah, Twix me. Um, but the uh, uh, you can go to state of I think it's state of denial AZ because it's about Arizona. So at state of denial AZ and it's there as well. What is that one about? Uh, that one's about um, Carrie Lake's uh, legal, uh, you know, her you know uh, court hearings and things like that, challenging from the twenty twenty two twenty twenty two election. Um, and uh, all the evidence that they wouldn't allow. Yeah, a lot seen. of evidence that they wouldn't allow that did that couldn't be seen or they couldn't gather before, and so we put that together. A uh, couple used uh, basically it was a couple of trials mm-hmm. uh, that we uh, went through and laid out all of the evidence um, on, you know, what was going on and people watch it. And and, and speaking of people that share things, uh, Robert Kiyosaki actually shared that one on his uh, ex account. Wow. Um, it's fantastic. And that was really cool. That's yeah, a big deal. And, um, for sharing. It's huge. Yeah. It's, a, it really it's a really big deal. So go over there, watch it, share it, get it out there. Um, we've got, you know, our, our true social account. But I thought also what was really cool is because Matt puts all of these storytelling components in there. He's like, how do I make a court case interesting? Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have, we got, a, it, it really came about where, where one of the head legal counsels gave us the court documents. Like the and court said, filings. Wow. And said, uh, can we make a movie about this? And we're like. Oh, praise Jesus. And Lord, do it. Lord, Lord, God bless them. They, they, you know, and, and, and some of them are very good writers. Um, but you know, it's like, it's not a story. It's, yeah. you know, it's, 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 you know, they lay it out there and they use some great language and they make the case, but. So Matt said, we're, we're going to have to use music for this and we're going to have to, um, use some artful ways of doing the interviews. And so he watched, um, Batman, well, okay, so yeah, Batman, the Batman movie. Um, I was watching the behind the scenes on it, and the way that they framed up the uh, the, the interviews were really interesting because they kind of like had no, no, normally, you know, when you see a side profile of somebody, there's you know a lot of space in front of them, um, and so I kind of reversed it and put them facing towards um, more of the uh, um, I don't call it the you know they, they were closer to the edge of the frame facing, and then behind them we were able to actually put some of the documents and put some of the evidence behind. So it was- Really interesting. Talking. And so that was, you know, kind of an interesting way to do it. And then the uh, with, spaghetti the, Western. with the music, uh, because it was uh, Arizona, I was like, oh, what if we use like kind of spaghetti Western kind of, you know, music with this true crime kind of nice. feel. Nice. And, it, and it worked really well. Um, so, yeah, I'm really proud of the way that that came out. Um, I think the biggest compliment that I got was from my editors, um, uh, mom and dad, um, who live in Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, they and watched these are global it. stories because what's they, happening in Australia, they're going, well, if, you, if but they, they watched this, work, which is very specifically about Carrie Lake and Arizona and Maricopa and everything that's going on over there. And they watched it and they called them up and said, we totally can follow it. Like you guys laid out everything in a way that somebody in a foreign country who hasn't have any idea about our election system could, could comprehend it. So, so that was a really big compliment. Um, and um, we've been getting a lot of, uh, accolades for that. And then that kind of sort of led to the one that we're working on now, which we can't talk about yet. Um, we will soon. We will soon, but I'm excited about it because um, everything that we've been doing, well, the, the Trump, I know we, we, we've traveled around a lot, got a lot of in-person interviews, um, but everything else that we've been doing has been a lot of kind of, you know, you found footage, you know, you putting in, you know, um, uh, news and different, you know, things like that into and create a story out of it. Um, but this one, we're going to actually be able to do some reenactments and uh, do some scripted reenactments. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, have, um, you, have you talked to Brighteon Studios lately? 
Mm -mm. They've got a full 8,000 square foot studio that they're opening up to Patriots to use to do just that sort of filming. Uh And they're moving into documentaries. So you might want to get, I don't know, are you in? They're in uh, Tennessee. Okay. So I don't know if you, um, you know Bob Denny? Uh, I, I have met Bob Denny. Yeah. Okay. Do I know Bob? Yep. I, okay, well, they're, in, they're on a shoot right now down on the border. They're doing a reenactment of a story of a little girl that came across. But oh, wow. they're, but Mike Adams okay. is pushing now to, with the direction of Brighteon to go into Brighteon documentaries and to take that to a new mm-hmm. level. So it's probably worth looking at it. I mean, they're, yeah. they're definitely looking yeah. at content creators to do that. And they're also offering studios and partnerships as they go down the way. So it's some good stuff. Well, our hope is is that um, this one will actually be a theatrical uh, release, um, and we're, um, we're, pushing we're for working it. for um, September. Nice. Uh, yeah. Have Bob's contact. So. Yeah, we're looking at Patriots Day, which happens to fall on September 11th for the release of this one. Nice. If that tells you anything about. Mm-hmm. That's great. We're going to make a splash. Well, you, yeah. you, can, you can tell us all about it when you're ready. You can come back on and, yeah, and push it. That's yeah. good. A couple months from now, we'll be, able to, we'll be able to show you a trailer and all of that sort of stuff. Well, that's good. That's going to be around the clock. That's awesome. It's great. This is So where where do people find you guys? I think the best place for people to follow us is over on our Rumble channel, sparrowrumble.com. Um, like I said, we're putting out weekly content over there. Um, if you have a Truth Social account, um, we have a true social. Yeah, it's Spiro Pictures, S-P-E-R-O Pictures. We have a, a lady that does run our uh, Facebook and our Instagram. Uh, that's more uh, apolitical stuff just because we've had all of our stuff removed off there before. So we don't really post a lot of mm-hmm. um, of anything of substance. Yeah, over there. So. But yeah. But yeah. yeah, so Truth and, and um, Rumble yeah. are probably the best places to find But us. if you are trying to get a hold of us, you, you know, if you want to... Donate, get involved. You mm-hmm. can go to uh, info at sparrowpictures.com and send us an email. That's we can awesome. Stay in touch. That's awesome. We always close with a prayer. It's okay. I'll close with a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Father, I just want to thank you today for this gathering we've had here. I'm just inspiring with Joy and Matt to just remind us of the power of film, the power of communication, and just the power of raising up the message and also the power of building bridges. This is really mm-hmm. a time that we have to take our ministries to new levels and start to not to be so isolated, but to reach out to the broader body of Christ and to use the inspiration you put in our hearts to tell the many stories that will lift people up, to inspire them, and to stimulate that excitement of, again, being alive, being awake, being part of this time, and to learn about ourselves in the process, even if those stories aren't always in the alignment of what we want to hear, but rather to start hearing each other in our hearts rather than what we see on the surface. So just ask for a blessing over both Joy and Matt of all that they do to continue to guide them or lift them up and raise them and to let their voice be heard and just inspire others to pass the work along. That we, As one, as iron sharpens iron, we raise up the body of Christ in a great time such as this. And so we ask for your blessings and guidance in all things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's awesome. It's been a pleasure. Great catching up, I'll tell you. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. It's, it's good. Good catching so. up man. Yeah, when, what's what's your what's on your uh, docket coming up? Um, we've got a number of things. We've got uh, April eighth. Uh, well, first of all, did you hear about the DMA? Have you heard about this? This is no. an interesting one. Um, you'll be interested. There's a declaration of military accountability that was launched on one January, and it's a mm-hmm. document that's written very much like the in the format of the um, oh, declaration of independence. 
Okay. Yeah. I saw that. And so I, I was asked, I was as a veteran, I was not, wasn't expecting it. Most of these, this is all centered around the COVID nonsense within the military, the violation of orders. And, um, Mm -hmm. Then they asked me if I wanted to sign. I was like, sure. But they ended up putting me on first page of signatory. So it's something. But it's a big deal. And I've been spending a lot of time in the interviews to elevate those stories because people just don't know who these are. And these are really like super performers. When you start looking across the board, these are all people, some of the best of the best in the military. They were all pushed out or in one way or another have been, you know, trashed by this vax mandate, even as veterans. And so that's been one thing. So we're kind of moving through this year, helping raise that up in a messaging sense. I tailored my shows back to I'm doing two a day instead of three, which has been nice. I do a full one hour in the morning and then one full hour at night. And um, we're doing a rally in Ohio for the eclipse, which will be the 8th of April. And that'll be, a, mm-hmm. that's Michelle, Leah, Resistance Chicks, myself, and then uh, some other pastors that will be coming into the area to speak. It's It'll be a pretty powerful revival. We'll do Bards Fest again next year. I want to have you there because that'll be debut. We'll debut your film there as well if you'd like to. That'll be next oh, nice. next end of end of September. So it's about the right time frame, right? So it's September, uh, yeah. October range. Yeah. I think we'll probably be in Flemingsburg again, which is Kentucky, which has turned out to be a pretty mm-hmm. good place. And yeah, then, that was cool. Still enjoy about that that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good um, it was good. I mean, it's a good and I and besides that. Um, God's found in my heart to do a book this year. We'll see how that goes, but it's called Walking in the Yes. So that's already been titled. So that's really been about a lot of my journey. And I've got a short film coming up. I don't really want to go. So it's a production I've been putting together on a journey. I just finished. I'm still in it. But I mean, I I went back and had a reverse vasectomy done and it gets all into... Okay, so, so it's all the story of that journey and Stanger and Kinsey and Aleister Crowley and how we got to the root of the destroying the family. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, um, you talk about a message. If you want to throw a grenade in somebody's breakfast cereal, that is it because it, I've, I've actually given this sermon at, um, at the church and mm-hmm. it is one of those messages that people hate it because you walk into their bedroom literally. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden when you, when it hits them, it's like a light goes off and they're like, we were deceived. And I've had men come to me and I was at a men's camp. I gave that lecture and literally men coming to me going, I was aborting babies. And that was their quote. I was aborting mm-hmm. babies by doing this. Very powerful. So we've got mm-hmm. that composition going along. And then just what I'm doing up here, which I'm expanding into some storytelling on, online, which I'm going to add more video this year, but some actual stories, not just sitting and, you know, doing my daily thing at a desk. I, I have a thing about that. I know people like it, but I, I like, I want you to listen to the audio, the, the message. I don't want you spending all the time in front of your appliance. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. But if I'm going to do content development, like video stuff, it's going to be some actual stories. So I've got some stories around the farm and like even the Brighteon show is changing now. I do a weekly mm-hmm. show over Brighteon and I'm now, I'm like getting the camera on my ATV and driving up on the property and just sitting there in the woods or in somewhere and just talking about God and whatever else we do. So just oh, trying cool. to kind of break out of the studio environments a little bit. That's another mm-hmm. one of those things I think that um, as a, as kind of the news production we do, I think that what we find is that the Patriots have emulated again a lot of what they've seen on the mainstream mm-hmm. media. And kind of to our parallel, what we've talked about, we haven't seen the creativity of going into 
I mean, content creation, yes, but not in terms of like, how do you tell the news in a different way? How do you, how do you innovate that? How do yeah. you go in that? Yeah. You know, something we didn't touch on, which I think is, um, it's a huge thing. We would be a whole discussion. We'll have to pick it up next time, but really is like this whole concept of documentary that, that name I've struggled with this for so long because it doesn't do justice to the humanist, to the, not the humanist, but the human perspective of the story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so much of documentary, as you well know, is scripted. I, I, when I had stuff being used in Frontline when I was in Afghanistan, I couldn't believe that's when my eyes were open to like, that's what you call documentary. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like right. and where, when you're generating your own footage, you're telling your story, you're almost like cinema verte as you walk mm -hmm. in right. because you're capturing those moments and, and lacing them together. Like you said with the Trump event, you didn't know what you were going to get. You're going along and, and you can't script those things. And there's, there's a it, documentary does an injustice to it because it, mm -hmm. it doesn't really give you the essence of what you did, you know, like, and so anyway, anyway, that's, I don't yeah. know. I, we've released, I did release my film on YouTube. It's on our channel. I just put it out there for free. The one film I did do that I won an Emmy for. So it's out there now. So, you know, it's just, oh, awesome. kind of, nice. just trying to, to inspire. Yeah. It's, it's over on Bards FM. You can, it's on the okay. YouTube, YouTube channel, Bards FM. It's right there. And it's Bards of War. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think my biggest thing right now is, as we all do the same, we're, we're following God. I never built this podcast to make an income. It's generating a good income. But I'm saying that was never my intent. And God keeps opening doors. And it's just the bigger issues of, like, how are we going to really shape this message going forward? And the, probably the biggest thing overall is, it's, you know, we've got to get ourselves back to a moral shift. And if there's a driving force every day, it's, getting our kids back on the front point and getting mm -hmm. that moral shift and rebuilding the family. I mean, we've got to get to those roots because if we're not yeah. doing that, you know, you know, it's really, I don't know if you watched uh, Tucker and Putin last night. Yes, did I did. Watch that? Yeah. In fact, we played it and then I commentated on it this morning for almost an hour. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, that was one of the points that he made was that America has lost its moral footing, Yes, you know, um, and the family and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And it's just like, you know, to hear that coming from a guy that we've all been told to hate for the last 30 years, mm -hmm. you know, is, is pretty remarkable. Uh, and kind of, you have to question again, going back to, you know, this psychological manipulation that's been happening through our media and why, mm -hmm. you know, why is that? Yeah. It, know, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, I mean, I paint a pretty involved picture in all of that. I think that when we start to get to the root with Kinsey and with mm -hmm. Stanger and Aleister Crowley and Operation Paperclip, you start to look at this war that was literally targeted and waged and even go back to the war on churches with the 501c3. I mean, that was a targeted element to disempower, yeah. right, to just neuter the pulpit and it never had to be. That's just the most amazing thing. It's like, why did you do this? You were already tax-free by the Constitution, right? You never had to do it. <laughs> An amazing interview. Putin handled it brilliantly. And it's like I said, it's why we played it last night instead of a show. I said, we're streaming yeah. this. It's probably the most important yeah. interview of your lifetime. Listen and listen carefully. That's what yeah. I was telling my kids last night. I was like, this is, you guys may not understand this right now, but this, this is probably is the most important. Is it. All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, love you. Have a great right. day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, mate. All right. God bless. Bye. Okay, bye bye. God bless. Well, Patriots, that was Matt and Joy Thayer of Sparrow Pictures. Uh, just a great couple and really powerful in the, in the movement of bringing up cultural arts within the Patriot movement. And we need that. We need that desperately because not only are they doing pro productions themselves, 
but they're also taking that philosophy and approach back into some of those dark places in Hollywood and other places to bring people over. So this is a really great bit of work that they're doing and just an amazing story that they have. Anyway, thanks for being here tonight. So we'll be back tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Chasing mountains I can't Out of my mind like a 
dark in the distance Chase the winter out of my mind like the dark. 